0: Box-to-box stoppage time.
1: Can you believe it?
0: For Chemist Warehouse.
1: Great savings every day. And
0: Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food.
1: And this could be the most crucial
2: goal of all. Here with Rob Gilbert, Derek Dyson and Willem van Denderen for our podcast spun off from the main show where we go through all the highlights, our highlights of the past week, our teams and moments of the week and plenty more. It's got a real World Cup focus this week, Derek and Willem. Um, very excited. Uh, even as we record, it's only uh, 24 hours away, William.
0: Yeah, pumped, Rob, can't wait. Um, and then, yeah, fresh off the back of that. Canada and Nigeria are in, uh, what's that, two days' time. So,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: no, it's just about upon us. Um, Derek Flagg earlier in the week, though, we are scraping the barrel to uh, to get to that point. But
2: uh, as always, we've got a couple of tasty little
0: tidbits from around the football world that we can deliver to you.
2: Yeah, well, we don't want to sort of undersell. I mean, we are trying to uh, encourage our listeners to stick around. So, Derek, uh, uh, to use a a slightly different metaphor, we're we're, we're sort of picking the the eyes out of uh, the best of the rest, aren't we, Joel? Why don't you get us going with your game of the week?
1: Yeah, well, for the last few weeks, I have been watching the progress of the Under-19 European Championship final. It's the men's men's edition, and uh, the final was uh, over the weekend, and... That final was won by Italy, Uh, so Damien Tardio on the buttons will be pleased to hear that. So that's their fourth Under-19 European Championship, but their first um, since 2003. It was 1-0 in the end in a a hard-fought game. Uh, 19th-minute header decided it from uh, Michael Coyote. Uh, He plays for Fiorentina, uh, and it was a cross by Luis Hassa that uh, allowed that to... uh, Uh, that that to happen. Italy were in control of this game. For the most part, they probably could have uh, increased uh, their lead uh, at at various times. This was a a bit of a surprise performance, really. Italy had kind of scraped their way through uh, qualifying. Their early um, tournament form wasn't suggesting that they were going to go all the way. In fact, they lost to uh, Portugal in the group stage uh, and really just uh, qualified by the skin of their teeth. Whereas uh, Portugal absolutely smashing everyone, uh, including beating uh, Norway 5-0 um, in the in the semi-final. But it was was Italy that looked a completely different side in, in the game. This was played in uh, Malta um, and uh, this was uh, in the national stadium uh, in the end. And just some hot prospects for you. We were talking the other week about um, how the under-21s isn't necessarily an indicator of uh, players going on to succeed in the men's and in the the world game. But there are a couple of players that have uh, emerged from this tournament from the two finalists. There's Cher and from Italy, and uh, he play, currently plays at Benfica, an 18-year-old central uh, midfielder who looks to have a, a great uh, career ahead of him. And there's Rodrigo Rubiro, uh Portugal under-19s. Um, he's at Sporting, uh, Lisbon at the moment a number nine striker and he's been scoring lots of goals in their uh, beat their uh, B team in the UEFA Youth League so keep an eye out for those two Ndor and Ribeiro and uh, congratulations to Italy on another piece of international silverware, James.
2: Yeah, interesting. Um, even as as you write, I'm watching messages ping in from Italy from my uh, my wife Sandra and son Thomas uh, uh, from uh, the home of uh, of. Uh their best. forebears. Uh, so just wanted to throw that one in there, Willem. No, fair call, cool,
0: Rob. My uh, team of the week comes from Japan. It is Makita Zelvia. Uh, they are top of the league in J2, as they have been for some time. And not only that, they're also through to the last 16 of Japan's Emperor's Cup, which is the tournament open to the top two flights of Japanese football. So something of a clipped Uh, FA Cup or or Australia Cup if you like. Um, Not only did they uh, go through, but they belted the top side in the top league, Yokohama F. Marinos, who we know well, 4-1. Mitch Duke, with his first goal of the Cup campaign to go with his four goals and six assists that he's managed in the league. Uh, Duke has an extensive history in Japan, played in the top flight and has also played quite a bit in the second and pushed really hard last year alongside Stefan Mork with Fagiano-Okayama for promotion. It's particularly brutal in the J2, uh, the promotion mechanism they use. So they use a bit of a combination uh, mm. of a couple, three to six. Uh, so one or two go through, and then from three to six, uh, you have to play off. And then once you've progressed out of that, you then play 16th in the top flight. So not easy. As a result, I think Duke will know that you really can't leave it to chance and finish third. You need to finish top. So uh, they really have made the running this season. Uh, hopefully they can kick on with it from here, from an Australian perspective. And yeah, to, to go hand in hand, Rob, with a, uh, mm. a cup win. Uh, they are they are flying and for that reason they are my team of the week
2: excellent and so but proves you did well you you both said you were scraping the bottom of the barrel but you did uh extremely well you sort of understood Sold your efforts there, but um, I can't help myself. In the week of the World Cup, I was there at Marvel Stadium, as I mentioned, in the main show with my good mate uh, Johnny acardo and Zlati, my friend from uh, North Macedonia, and my uh, other friend Sam Emiraseka from uh, from Sri Lanka. So it was a veritable uh, uh, melting pot of, uh, of of international flavors uh, in four seats. Uh, but for me, you know, it, it as I said, it it, it was that match. Um, the send-off match at Marvel Stadium, uh, uh, the, just from an observer's point of view, it felt like there, there was a degree of caginess in that first half um, until Mary Fowler scored the match winner. Australia had plenty of opportunities in, in the opening 45. I, I mean, I, I I had to watch on replay a couple of times and literally counted 13 touches that Caitlin Ford had on the ball when she was just one-on-one with uh, the goalkeeper and uh, and just – you just felt, shoot, Caitlin, you've got so uh, much time and space, just get it done. And then Sam Kerr, similar, um, you know, they were really guilt-edged opportunities and, and, and I'm starting to feel nervous uh, thinking, no, come on, you should be ready to go by now and, and, uh, and, and just – take uh, uh, the opportunity that's in front of you. Um, They didn't, and I I sort of had a feeling that that the the French were going to get the better of the the Australian women, but it was Mary Fowler, you know, 20 years old. Uh, uh, She was uh, part of that tug-of-war that we discussed with Gary Connaughton uh, earlier on in the week in the main show. Uh, uh, She showed the striker just, just what, predator instincts look like. Uh, Kyra Cooney cross broke down the right wing. She found Hayley Rasso, delivered a perfect cutback. Fowler took one touch and slammed it past the French goalkeeper, Pauline peril So, you know, that's the kind of finish that um, that her more senior partners uh, really need to to be um, employing given that they do it so frequently uh, in uh, in the Women's Super League. So, you know, ahead of their opening match of the tournament on Thursday night, um you have to say it was a stern test, and Tony Gustafsson uh, uh, couldn't have hoped for, for anything more. But I think we'd be putting our head in the sands to suggest that uh, it was everything we wanted to see because that opening half, uh, really the, um, the, the the big names uh, that um, that started uh, up forward, uh, I felt should have done just that little bit better. Uh, but the good news, their third straight clean sheet against the world number five it was preceded by uh, a clean sheet against england world number four against sweden world number three and who could forget those uh, 10 goals that were shipped uh, against Germany and the Netherlands in Gustafsson's first two games. So we talked to Joey Lynch about this uh, in the main show and the and the defensive depth that we'd hope for. So this is really what for me um, was the highlight of of that match because the French threw everything at Australia. Uh, but uh, Claire Hunt, Charlotte Grant, Courtney Nevin, the the new guard, the veterans, Alana Kennedy back from injury. Claire Polkinghorn, Evergreen, and finally Mackenzie Arnold—more uh, and more convincing in goal. So, uh, I, I really, um, by the end of that match, was well satisfied with the the, the scope of it. Point out where we could do better um, in, it, we, at uh, the uh, the sharp end of the pitch, but um, I'm I'm really pumped and excited about what uh, what we're going to see over the course of the next month, gentlemen.
0: Sami's so, I mean, a confidence player, and she's a confidence leader. Rob, I mean you more mm-hmm. than anyone sort of understand that if she can score a couple against Ireland tomorrow night, we will be off to the races. If it comes to the third game against Canada and she hasn't found the net and we need a result to to, Mm -hmm. to get out of the groups and maybe the the connection hasn't been coming her way the way that she'd like, we've Mm -hmm. seen how she behaves in – or not behaves – but how – she can play in those situations as well, so mm. uh, it, it is crucial, crucial that. She oh does no, it's, it's a fact. We can, we can. We, we we you, can the, you can look at it the other way as well. That in the past it would be Sam or Bust in mm. you know this this sort of more um, modern time um, where we're at with this side currently. Tony can go to the bench and, and bring on a Mary Fowler. Can yeah. Um, can yeah go to his bench. So yeah, you can look
2: at it both ways, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Well, as you were, you know, implying there, we can't reinvent history. Sam hasn't got it done for uh, the national side in the same way she's done for Chelsea over the years, and uh, and this hopefully is that opportunity for her to 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 put all of that behind her and uh, and get a result. Whether we go on and win the tournament or not is immaterial. We just really want to see Sam in the green and gold um, perform the way that we know that she's capable of it. And to be honest, I think she deserves. So I think her 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 legacy deserves a uh, a top tournament where she showcases her skills and with the eyes of the country and the world on her, that she, she does uh, what we all know she's capable of doing. Derek, do you think that's a fair assessment?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, she's got to bring her a game if uh, the Matildas have got to um, have a chance in this, in this tournament. And I think a lot of defences will be very concerned with her because everywhere she goes, there are goals and, She's going to be roared on by some pretty passionate home crowd, so I fully expect her to be there and thereabouts in the the Golden Boot, that's for sure.
2: Okay, hopefully you're right. All right, what was your team of the week, mate?
1: Yeah, well, I've gone for the Jamaican men's football team. I know Willem mentioned the women, I think, in the main show, who had won one nil over uh, Morocco uh, over here in the build up to the to the big tournament, but. The men's, um, themselves were caught my eye. There is an honourable mention, by the way, to Breedablick, uh, our Icelandic team, way down in the, um, Champions League qualifying, uh, uh, round We talked about one. them a few weeks ago, didn't we? Yes, I'm saying, yeah, so they've beaten Shamrock Rovers away, 1-0, mm. and uh, probably know the outcome by the time this goes to air, which is why I didn't pick them, but mm. good on Breedablick for going getting a result in Ireland, uh. Against a more fancied uh, team, there a more famous team, that's for sure. Uh, come on, uh, your jo- come on, you Drakes, I think they were called. Mm-hmm. So, but it is the Jamaican men's who I'm going to call out. Now they have been playing in the Gold Cup. This is the other team that I've been uh, a tournament I've been tracking in these uh, sort of thinner months of, of football. And although Mexico um, Mexico went on to uh, to, to To get to the final and um, um, be, beat uh, uh, Jamaica in the semi-final. It was Jamaica, who I thought, had a great tournament. You know, there are some big teams, big sort of Central American teams in this tournament. The USA um, are in this tournament. But uh, Jamaica have had a storming Gold Cup. They drew with the United States in the, in the group game, and then they went on to score 10 goals in their next three matches, including a 4-1 win over Trinidad and Tobago um St Kitts and Nevis they beat 5-0 maybe not a big surprise there they beat Guatemala 1-0 in the quarter final but then yeah they they uh they finally um uh, had their chances uh, denied by Mexico but i think Jamaica's quite an interesting team because it wasn't it was maybe 2 decades ago that they started dipping into their diaspora, uh, particularly from from England and the likes of Robbie Earl and those kinds of uh, uh, players that, um, that 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 put their allegiances to Jamaica early on. Um, these days, they've got uh, Damari Gray, uh, who's probably one of the the, uh, the star players now. In fact, there are there are seven uh, players who from from the English Premier League that are um, in the side or in in amongst the uh, the squad. Mikel Antonio of West Ham being another one. And in fact, the manager, uh, Himir Hal Grimerson, is uh, the Icelandic coach that uh, led Iceland to their legendary Euro uh, 2016 uh, run. So well done, um, Jamaica, for, for that little run in the uh, Gold Cup. And just to put the full stop on it, it was Mexico who won the final uh, over the weekend. It was 1-0 over Panama. So uh, Mexico win another Gold Cup.
2: Hmm. Well, well done, the reggae boys. Uh, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Willem, what do you got?
0: Reggae boys with a Z as the reggae girls are with a, a Z as well, Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, my game of the week, now I know we're a little bit out of uh, out of kilter here, but if I don't talk about this game, perhaps nobody ever will. 24,000 at Optus Stadium to watch Perth Glory 2, West Ham 6. Uh, I didn't know it was coming. I don't think anyone's spoken about it uh, now that it's gone. Possibly the earliest in pre-season in A-League's has uh, ever played but the wash up two goals for uh, conference league hero jared bowen uh, the hammers really did go through the glory uh time and again but it was good to see the great man kenny lowe former perth glory uh manager and uh, a legend of the wa football scene uh, one of these great sort of migrants who came over to australia for football and has given uh, the rest of his life to the country and the game uh he is not going to be the permanent manager he's made that clear but he was on the touchline uh, as they look to find a replacement for Ruben Zadkovic were some decent players out there Rob Adam Taggart now man from Tunisia Salim Khalifi who we spoke to during the uh, the World Cup last year they both took the field uh, as did Daniel Benny and perhaps this is going to be the most important or notable uh, thing to come out of this match in time a 17 year old out of their academy who last week signed his first senior professional deal uh, and in this match probably scored the pick of the goals with uh, yeah a lovely little finish around the, uh, the goalkeeper so 17-year-old, pretty good week for him and his family, first professional deal and a goal against the might of the Hammers.
2: Mm. Yeah, no, it, uh, uh, that one did um, go under the radar, but uh, it was a huge crash. Proud and, and a great event. Uh, so good to see some of these um, other uh, clubs. We talk about the hammers all the time with our good friend Rochelle Thomas um, and uh, and how uh, well supported they are in Australia. So I've got a few mates that uh, follow the irons. So, uh, you yeah, know, 6 2 result, entertaining all around. Um, yeah, good pick. Well, now I scoured the various previews uh, for a Wonder Watch team in the World Cup and one name that kept coming up was a nation making its taboo at the 2023 Women's World Cup. And that is the Filipinas, the Philippines who are no less than the IOC website have said Uh, have been on an upward trajectory ever since the arrival of no less than Alan Stajic. Last year, they won the AWF Women's Championship at home, their first ever trophy, beating Thailand 3. Now, if you look through the honour roll uh, back to the beginning of that tournament, you won't see uh, the Philippines featuring anywhere in the top four. Uh, Their group includes New Zealand, Norway and Switzerland. And I note that friend of the program, Vince Regari, in his Sydney Morning Herald group-by-group preview has them as his dark horse saying, any team can coached by Alan Stachich, needs to be treated seriously, including the Philippines, who were a minnow in every sense until the former Matilda's boss, in brackets, controversially sacked in January 2019, took charge, scoured the world for footballers with Filipino heritage and masterminded qualification for their first World Cup, and has predicted them to emerge as shock round of 16 qualifiers. Now, if you don't mind a little wager, gamble responsibly, you can get 150 to one for them to make the quarterfinals, um, so well, I mentioned that to my mates, lad, at the football the other night. No sooner did I say it than he's plonked a uh, uh, hundred dollars on it to, to win a fortune. But uh, you know, I, I, they might get out of the group. Don't know about the quarterfinals, but uh, I, I think if you if you do a little bit of digging and uh, and that diaspora uh, of the Philippines that we talked about, a lot of these players come from the US college system. A lot of them were born in. The United States, uh, and uh, and you look at um, at players uh, uh, in that squad that that um, that have uh, have a a, a real pedigree about them, Serena Boldman uh, scored 22 goals in 37 appearances uh, um, and um, comes from that very college system, uh, uh, the states where she was born. She's played in Sweden, Taiwan, Japan, um, and uh, and she's been with Western Sydney um, in the in the Women's A-League since uh, 2022. So uh, these players are used to playing uh, in, in the, the top level. They're, they're no duffers. Um, they're, they're not uh, uh, some group of players that have been turned into the Mighty Ducks or, or so something like that. They're a quality side managed by a quality manager and uh, and I think um, they they could do something in this tournament that um, that has them as a, as a bit of a bolter, gentlemen.
0: I just wonder, Rob, if a bit of success for Stajic could be a real sort of healing or sort of soothing sort of balm for his reputation in Australia. Mm-hmm. Of course, the people that were involved in that controversy know a hell of a lot more than the public do, um, us included, are always going to be you know bitten depending on which way uh, those, those cards were played. But for the general... Mm-hmm. Football public and for the the women's football public, I mean, he, he did coach the Central Coast Mariners to a little bit of success, but for some purposes, the men's and women's game sort of do exist separately. Um, yeah, you just wonder if him coming back here, having a little bit of success with uh, with the Philippines, uh, and yeah, maybe putting some of those really sort of frosty feelings and, and emotions to bed, seeing him succeed with another side, and then sort of you know packing up and heading off again, might just in time be yeah something of a uh, a tonic.
2: Yeah, oh, well, let's not forget he began his his, um, his top flight career as the manager of Sydney FC Women, and, and that's where he, he made his name, winning titles there before. He was named as the Matildas coach, and, and we do play both sides of the discussion here. And we did have an extended conversation with somebody. We was in the middle of it last week, Edge and I, um, in a feature of Offside with Heather Reed. So uh, there, there will always be different versions of the story, uh, and and uh, the um, the blow-up that occurred is um, water under the bridge now. Some people are never going to be the best of friends. Um, and some people's truth will be very different from other people's truth forever and a day. But uh, uh, these are decent people. Ultimately, they've committed their lives to football, and um, and we wish uh, Alan Stacey well. All right, Derek. Hot topic to bring us on? Uh,
1: yeah. So a bit of a, a bit of a different type of hot topic this week. There wasn't anything particularly burning uh, from the sports pages. But I, one thing that did leap to my attention was. Uh, uh, Al-Ityaz, the uh, Saudi uh, Super League uh, team, trying to buy Fabinho from Liverpool for uh, £40 million. And that, in fact, this, this was such a significant thing that Fabinho has not joined uh, Liverpool's um, pre-season tour. And it appears that the Reds will, will likely to do business and potentially this is good, good money um, potentially more of a balancing-the-books exercise. I know Fabinho is well-liked at Liverpool, but every player has their price, and maybe this is the one. But not not talking about that particularly, but this seems to be the team more than any in the uh, Saudi league, which is, is, which is making waves. And I just thought that maybe we should tell the listeners a little bit about uh, Al Itihad, because of the trajectory they're going, the players that they're signing there's no doubt that this team is going to be a major force if not in if not in asian football and of course there's an australian link there but you know world football depending on where things might head in the future but uh, this is a team that's managed by someone who is familiar to us Nino Espirito Santo last seen at tottenham hotspur but of course uh, did better work at uh, wolverhampton wanderers where he was very much admired and of course they've already been signing some tremendous players this summer. They've got Ben Zema, uh, of course, from uh, Real Madrid. They have Angelo Kante from Chelsea uh, to, for the midfield. And then on the wing, they have Jota from uh, Celtic, who we spoke to jo- Jordan Campbell about a few weeks ago, a huge blow for Celtic. And now Fabinho uh, joining potentially as well. I mean, that's pretty tasty. We were talking um, last week about how far some of these teams would go to... Uh, Improve their starting eleven. So that's four of the, four of the eleven already accounted for, I would think. And they are already the uh, the Saudi, the reigning Saudi champions. They have four nicknames: the Tigers, the People's Club, the Nations Club, the Chief of Clubs. So it's a bit like Game of Thrones, isn't it? You know the uh, leader of the you know the whatevers and the whatevers and the whatevers. Uh, they're in Jeddah uh, and they are. Uh, owned 75%, not surprisingly, by the public investment fund. They play out the who King Abdullah. Who would have thought that? King of Abdullah Sports City is where they play 62,000 capacity. I don't know what the average attendance is. So they have a few competitive games, but the big one is the uh, Saldiel Classico, which is against the uh, Riyadh-based uh, uh, Al-Halal, Halal, who we'll also seeing in uh, – various dispatches uh, as well so you know this is a team regardless of where how we feel about this um, this is a team well on the rise they're, they're pulling together a pretty good looking squad of players who are not not all at there not all of their pension age gents and I just wonder whether we need to keep an eye on this just because you know pointing towards a potential I don't know global football league at some point because this is surely where the you know you're not going to invest this money to you know, with all due respect, sit in the, uh, the Saudi Premier League and, uh, you know, do a bit of Asian Cup. This is all about being on the biggest stage with the biggest teams. What do you think, Rob?
2: Very much so, mate. I think uh, you know we, we know the, the appetite of uh, of Saudi Arabia um, on the world stage. We've seen what they've done with golf. We've seen uh, their uh, incursions into the Premier League with Newcastle. Um, we we know that uh, having uh, watched Qatar put on a World Cup in the Middle East, that they've got aspirations for a World Cup in the not too far distant future, and uh, uh, and we know that uh, they. Uh, are advertising um, their their tourism uh, opportunity around the world. Um, you know, in in a week of the Women's World Cup, um, they had a pretty severe misstep uh, trying to get involved in a World Cup uh, uh, for women um, that uh, wasn't welcome uh, in uh, in in the world of women's football, given uh, their uh, their track record uh, uh, for uh, for. Um, or treating um, the, the rights of women uh, uh, over the years with uh, uh, scant regard, uh, but uh, we also know that um, that they say, and and some um, experts in the area are saying that things are beginning to change. So uh, uh, look, we we'll, we'll watch this with a, a um, I guess uh, part cynical eye and part open mind, and um, and see how it all plays out um, in the fullness of time, well
0: not to be confused with Al Itihad, Derek, is El Etifak, the new club of Stephen Gerrard. What did you make of the announcement video with Gerrard trying to speak Arabic in a Scouse accent with
1: the film coming oh, out I, out I, of his shoulder ordering at the drive-thru? I haven't actually seen it, Willem, so I can't comment, but uh, I did just look at the name and think about, you know, Al Etifak and how he might he might say the Fak in his, uh, in his thick Scouse uh, brogue. I believe he's now trying to, Bring Jordan Henderson, another Liverpool midfielder, um, to come and join him over there, so they can they can uh, have scouts conversations uh, <laughs> together. And uh, with Fabinho, Rob, just quickly, I mean, is that a blow? I mean, is it is that good money for a player who's maybe not had his best couple of years? Or you know, I mean, Liverpool certainly have left him behind. Uh, they think he's maybe dispensable.
2: Yeah, well, I guess you know look, we saw um, you know uh, Bobby Firmino and uh, Sadio Mane, uh, uh uh, with the sharp end of the pitch um, recycled that uh, you know they had the, the best uh, uh, years of their career uh, with the Reds and like any club, but at a certain point you've got to be ruthless and let players go. And if the money's on offer and it uh, uh, and it's available, I guess you take it. So uh, yeah, I think definitely, um,
1: definitely very definitely very convenient for Premier League teams whether there's like mm. um, stuff going in the back channels, but the fact that teams like Chelsea and Liverpool now it seems are mm. able to off- offload. Um, some of their maybe fa- slightly waning star players, mm. uh, and that there are um, Saudi clubs ready to uh, to pay the money for a, for a big name and someone who can mm. have an impact on their league. Yeah, well, we talked over, to
2: Kieran Maguire about this it, last week, yeah. didn't we? So, yeah. Got
1: nothing against it. I got nothing against it, Rob. But it's certainly um, c- certainly very convenient that that, um, that they're mm. able to to do that. That's for sure. Yeah. My hot topic comes out of some comments from
0: James Johnson. He said that he sees Australia hosting this Women's World Cup not as the end point for major tournaments, but very much the start. We know the men's 2034 World Cup is of interest. A quote from Johnson, that is an obvious one. One day Australia will bid again. I'm absolutely sure of that. Uh, The hat is also already in the ring for the 2026 Women's Asian Cup. It's actually not that far away. And we know from history that when clubs, uh, rather when countries host uh, the World Cup, that those uh, smaller continental ones often uh, aren't too far behind. And he's also flagged the 2029 edition of the revitalized Club World Cup. So maybe we will see an Al Itihad or an Al Etifak out here, not for a uh, an Asian Champions League, but for a Club World Cup. And this, I thought, Rob, maybe not time for it now, but just would at some point be worthy of a deep dive into the greatest club sides to play in Australia. Through the 90s, we saw the rather dated tradition now of club versus country friendlies. AC Milan against the Socceroos in 93... Manchester United 99 uh, off the back of their treble winning season and then in more recent times I think Everton actually opened Amy Park the first ever match there against the old Melbourne Heart Uh, and that triple-headed tournament they had between Man City, Roma and Real Madrid in 2015 when I think there was a draw in one of the matches I was at between City and maybe Roma and they rolled the players out for the very sort of novel uh, waste of time penalty shootout to get a result and the only player who Cared was joe hart because he's a huge cricket fan uh and the <laughs> mcg meant something to him so i think he saved a couple of penalties and went off very happy while the rest of them went off not overly fast
2: well speaking of the mcg um i was at probably the the high watermark of of any uh of the international visits and that was of course the famous uh, occasion that liverpool uh, played um the melbourne victory yeah uh, and um and the uh, uh the Scousers, uh, to use Derek's word, uh, description uh, still say that it was the loudest that You'll Never Walk Alone was ever sung in its history. Okay, I'm going to bring it home uh, with uh, a brief hot topic and and that is just a concern as a, a media operative as I am and Derek is as well, uh, how the Women's World Cup will rate on TV, not just in Australia but around the world. We've seen uh, a severe drop-off in some uh, areas of women's sport and I, 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 I um, think of the women's AFL, uh, which has lost 80% of its television, Audience um, in, um, in the uh, the period that it's been on here, but at the same time, the women's cricket doing great things for nine uh, with the Ashes. Uh, uh, figures from Media Week show that uh, two hundred ninety nine thousand watched. Channel 10 uh, uh, to uh, to see the Matildas beat France uh, on Friday night. And whilst the Matildas had a bigger crowd in the stadium than the crowd at the MCG watching the AFL-Melbourne-Brisbane Lions match, the TV viewership of that game was 464,000. So uh, admittedly, it was a one-point thriller, but um, – it's uh, it's just going to be interesting to watch uh, how uh, this country and other countries around the world engage with uh, the Women's World Cup on TV because that is the rub uh, of equal pay and uh, and that point that um, that we've discussed over the course of the show uh, and why FIFA are continuing to push back from uh, the uh, the you know the the, the statements the, which we we are um, impressed with uh, of um, the the Matildas are, are demanding equal pay uh, but FIFA saying well we're not going to pay you equal pay until you. Deliver the eyeballs. They're not saying it as much, but uh, we know that's a fact. Anyway, that's a point and uh, one in which we award to this base, gentlemen. Well done. Uh, looking forward to the, the game. We're going to be all out there together, and uh, and this time next week, the World Cup will be underway. Well.
0: Yes, it will, Rob. Can't wait. How good. It's been a long time coming. I remember we were at uh, the, oh, no, I can't remember because I can't remember what it was called. The morning that it was announced was the same morning that Liverpool won the title in 2020 and we were at Inspiration Paints, no?
2: No, 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 no. We were at my mate Peter Mill's uh, Audio and Image Solutions Solutions. uh, and um, and we absolutely loved that. uh, Very early morning, didn't we, Derek?
1: Yeah, I do remember that one, but I am looking forward to catching up with you all and, you know, potentially having a, a beer and a pie, and in fact, Rob, you missed the pie chat last week. I'm sure you're absolutely devastated when uh the uh, three of us were talking about our, our 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 pie stories. And Willem did say that <laughs> you're desperate,
2: Thank you, to talk,
1: uh, talk about your notice. experiences at the Molyneux, as you call it. And uh, <laughs> and the uh, and the uh, I don't know where the, the comes from, it says Molyneux. Oh, well, so yeah, it's... uh, chicken balsy pie does sound good, and of the
2: At Molyneux Stadium. I didn't say, but I've never said the Molyneux. You're just making that stuff up. I had a pie for lunch today, by the way, from a bakery. Mushroom pie. It was very tasty. All right, boys. Well done, Damo. Thank you, Damien Tardio, for uh, being with us uh, yet again. Uh, looking forward to this World Cup. It's going to be super exciting. Please subscribe to Box to Box Stoppage Time and Offside, wherever you get your podcasts. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on Twitter. Make sure you like us on Facebook and join us throughout the week as our podcasts drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game.